Hey, Cast Chasers, Christina here. We'll start the show in just a moment, but first we wanted to tell you about a new, award-winning, four-grain straight bourbon whiskey that's been taking the market by storm, Penelope Bourbon. Penelope's balanced yet flavorful taste profile comes from a unique blend of three bourbon mash bills. Currently available in three expressions, four grain, barrel strength, and toasted, Penelope is remarkably smooth and flavorful. So whether you're sipping neat or using it in your favorite cocktail, Penelope is perfect for you. Penelope Bourbon is available in select markets as well as online at PenelopeBourbon.com. Hey guys, it's Aaron. Just wanted to let you know this is part two of a two-part series. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, we obviously recommend that you go back and listen to that one. Or you can just continue on if you want to be a rebel. And if you have already listened to the previous episode, well, I'm sorry for wasting your time. Enjoy. This is Dr. Pat Heist with Wilderness Trail Distillery. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cask Chasers Podcast. some differences you know between our bourbon and other bourbons and you know we, we, we don't ever get in a position where we're trying to say our bourbon tastes better because yeah, sure. and the fact of the matter is i've got more bottles of other people's whiskey at my house than we did well i'll take that back i got more wilderness trail bottles than anybody but i have a lot <laughs> of other bottles as well in their sire mash we run a sweet mash process so that's something that definitely sets us apart you know, that's where instead of incorporating back set or recycle from a previous distillation, we're starting our mashes with all fresh grains and fresh water. So uh, it, it does, our mashes are a little bit higher pH, so they're less acidic. Mm. And so, uh, you know, it just lends to a little bit different mouthfeel and other characteristics of our whiskeys. Obviously, you know, having the expertise that we've gained through Firm Solutions, when we built Wilderness Trail, we're like, okay, what are the 500 worst ideas we've ever seen? <laughs> Make sure we From don't those do guys. That. And then what are the 10 best ideas we've seen? And let's use all those. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's very, uh, you know, a process. Now, the, the bourbon that I'm seeing sitting there in front of you, that's our high rye bourbon. Mm-hmm. And most Kentucky distilleries use rye in their recipe to make bourbon, but we're one of the only distilleries in the state that uses Kentucky grown rye. Mm-hmm. And so we always wanted to feature, you know, local agriculture just for sustainability to support local farms. Which when we started, the local farms really didn't care about us because we were only grinding like 800 pounds of grain a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, they definitely know who we are now because we grind nearly 200,000 pounds of grain every day, seven days a week. And, uh, you know, we're buying 70 something thousand barrels a year instead of, you know, 200. So mm-hmm. we got a little bit more instead of uh, the barrel guys, you know not picking up our phone calls we get picked up in the limo and took to the front row that's that's what i wanted to ask like obviously you don't have to name names but i'm curious if there are any people that when you guys first started working on this they're like eh, whatever like low players and now you turned up and it's like that scene in pretty woman where she comes back with all the cash and she's like you missed out on all this business big mistake 
I'm just yeah, curious. <laughs> there's been a couple of those. There's been <laughs> people who we've had it out with who end up asking us for jobs later and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, we try to be, you know, be nice to everyone, mm-hmm. regardless of what they did to us in the past. Try to set a good example. That's you know? nice. That's, nice. That's big of you. You guys do touch on, like you mentioned it a minute ago with uh, like the sustainability and just like local Kentucky agriculture. But if I'm recalling correctly, you, I mean, you guys have talked a lot about some of the byproducts of the distillery that you go back and work with local farms to kind of keep that cycle going. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, the, well, you've got local farms involved with the grain that we purchase, but then also the stillage, you know, all the leftover water and the, the rest of the grain that doesn't get fermented, that's called stillage, comes out of distillation. That's probably one of the biggest challenges that any distillery either here in Kentucky, for sure, is faced with managing. You know, we generate 100,000 gallons of stillage a day here. And that's equates to about 15 semi loads that's got to go out here every day. And we're running, you know, two, three in the morning. If we don't have trucks showing up every so often, then we got to shut down production. And, you know, we're shut down for a few hours. That, that could be 50 or so barrels. You know, you multiply that by many, many days and you start really impacting your production. So the stillage, we give that away to local farmers. So we're giving away essentially a hundred thousand gallons of free cattle food every day, but it's got really high moisture content. So that's the problem with it is you got to find a way to concentrate the feed portion and get rid of the liquid portion of it. And so that we're working on some really cool technologies that we've actually got a system here at our distillery that is the only one of its kind at any distillery in the world and it's a, a, a device that pulls water out of the stillage to help us concentrate it. And so we're kind of uh, working on that, re-engineering it. it. Actually, we discovered this particular technology when we were working with a large dairy farm to help them convert their yogurt whey into uh, alcohol. Okay. But we were like, you know, hey, we'll help you convert the whey into alcohol, but our question is, what do y'all do with all the cow shit for these? <laughs> Age old question. Yeah. What do you do so with all the like, cow shit? Uh, they're like, oh, we put it through this machine and, and it and it we pull the water out of it. And they're like, here, have a glass. And I, I was like, <laughs> well, like, I'll pass on that. But I was looking at the water. I was like, man, that is clean ass water. How do you get so clean? That's the problem when you separate the liquid out. A lot of times what you, the liquid portion you end up with is it's less valuable than what you started with and you still got to process it. So uh, this equipment allows us to pull the water out and it's clean enough to run through an RO system so we can discharge it. So that's going to be really exciting because um, we're, we're going to be selling that technology to a lot of different distilleries through our firm solutions company. I want to go to a blind tasting where uh, it's just like different types of water you know like here's your deer park here's your dasani and then there's like the mystery one and it's just you know cleaned up from cow shit water like i want to see the look on people's faces mm-hmm. when they realize that. that's right science well yeah it's kind of like a little trick i used to play on the students whenever i was in med school because it was kind of like a christian college and and i'm you know I'm a, I'm a spiritual person, but not necessarily mm-hmm. uh, organized religion. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, uh, I was at this, you know, kind of like a Christian college. And, and one of the things I would do is sort of like an example of don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And so I would show them this passage and it was a passage that just made a lot of sense. You know, it was just very 
logical. And, and I just the question was, OK, read this paragraph and then tell me if you agree with it. And so, you know, they read it and then they, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. That's cool. And I said, well, you just agreed with uh, passage out of the satanic Bible. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I was, wait- I was waiting for you to say, like, mind comp or something. That's even better. It's even better. <laughs> but congratulations. Gotcha. You're all going to hell. <laughs> and drinking cow shit water as you go. Look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> <laughs> the parties are better in hell, I'm sure. That's my premise. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. This ah, uh, this is just Speaking of hell, lovely. check out my uh check out my Oh man. Yes! That is delight. Oh shit. Dr. Pat Heist etched on this Glen Karen. And so for for those of you that may or may not know, in in addition to being a, a whiskey rock star, Pat Heist is also a literal rock star. Um, he's got a band. Um, we're uh, we're it's pretty pump, What's the what's the band what's the band name, Pat? It's called Zella May. Zella May. Be sure to look us up on Apple iTunes Music. Yep, and there's a couple videos on spot on. Um, and what YouTube type of also. band is Zella May? Tell us, tell us. Uh, it's like hard rock. In the middle. <laughs> it's so it's believe fa- it or not. It's it's fantastic and Metallica um, cover band is how you guys first when like before our first conversation when Bobby and Aaron were like oh you're gonna love talking to Pat and he's part of this amazing band it's like a Metallica cover band that's how they build it and I got very excited. So we uh, for for those of you that are uh, that are listening and and not and not watching here. Um, uh, Dr. Pat Heist just held up a Wilderness Trail Distillery Glencairn that is underneath underneath of the <laughs> logo says Dr. Pat Heist, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. He turns it around and it's got the Slayer logo on it, <laughs> which I I didn't Pat I didn't think you could get more badass, but uh, here we are and, and, and there it is. So here's what it's come to. Here's what it's come to, I'm, and I'm not mad about it. So when, no, when we come awesome. visit you, can we just have like a giant bonfire and just be playing that music and just like that's the visual that I have of our yeah, first yeah. time. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll awesome. just have to separate it, the fire a certain distance from the Rick house. That's fair. I, that, sound, <laughs> that sounds like a smart thing. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, my band actually the last show we played was we played last weekend. We attended the American Craft Spirits Association meeting in ah, Louisville. Kentucky. Nice. And Firm Solutions had a trade show booth there. I gave a talk at one of the scientific sessions. And then my band closed out like the party, like the repeal day party. <laughs> That's awesome. Last night of the convention. <laughs> so, you know, one way to get customers is get a trade show booth and sit there and wait <laughs> for them to right. come by. The other way is to play the uh, show at the end of the, That's the right. party. And, and rock their the faces band. off, right? Here yeah. You got the whole, everybody at the whole conference right there in front of you. So I was <laughs> between like switching from Ozzy Osbourne to Guns N' Roses. I was giving public service announcements. So don't forget to come by booth 502 for all your presentation. And about the nucleotides of yeast. Oh, my God. Everybody else just like, all those other un- vendors just like packing up like, I have nothing to offer. I'm Sorry, just done. Man. Yeah, I was like, uh, somebody's like, play Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, Calling our sales guy. Hey, they, we got a PO from them yet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like instead of the jar that you accept tips in, you're just like POs accepted at this email address. Orders, there yeah, it there is. is. That's right. Oh, it's brilliant. God, that's good. Did he just so, sing yeah, firm solutions? And here's another funny thing. So I get there, and you know where we've got the booth set up. I gave us 
a talk there. My band was playing. I knew that somehow I was going to get free admission. You know? mm-hmm. I just didn't know what angle I was going to use. <laughs> so I step up to the registration, and they're like, what's your name? Which I was surprised they asked my name. I was like, damn, I am a nobody. You're like, do you see my so beard? Anyway, do you I not said, recognize? Uh, I said, Pat Heist. And the lady's like, oh, you're in Zella, Maine. She said, you are going to rock it out on Sunday. So she gives me my name badge. And, you know, everybody else has got exhibitor, speaker, all these ribbons across the bottom. And mine just says Zella May on it. Like, mm-hmm. They just literally thought I was only with the band. That's hilarious. They didn't even have, like, Wilderness Trail or a Firm Solution. That's band. really funny. You need one of those badges, like a, like a four-star general, where it's just, like, ribbon after ribbon after ribbon after ribbon. <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Accolades. Personally, I'd rather be the mystery shopper hiding in the back of the room just learning from everybody. Yeah. Instead uh-huh. of, yeah. You know, the one, oh, that's the guy, you know. Yeah. I always play mystery shopper whenever I go into, you know, bars or whatever. At least start off that yeah. way. Right. Until somebody recognizes if somebody, you. Uh, if somebody tells me the legend of myself, then I may, like, <laughs> disclose, of, you know. Like, somebody's just like, I've known Pat Heist for 30 years, and he's told me all this. And you're, like, sitting next to the person, like. That's the name of Pat's autobiography, The Legend of Myself. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Pat Heist, The Legend of Myself. <laughs> Written by Pat Heist. That's right. Edited by Pat Heist. <laughs> have, have Special you ever, thanks to Pat Heist. Like at one of those events, have you ever gone into somebody else's lecture and just heard somebody just spin in nonsense and just had to be like, um, excuse me, and just correct? Like, how do you encounter when somebody is just so off the mark and you're just sitting there as that mystery shopper? Yeah. Well, if they're talking about my stuff, I'm going to straighten them out. But <laughs> Like, you know, we get, you know, our competitors, for example, you know, when, when the new guy comes to his first conference and he's giving his first talk, I definitely want to be sitting right in the front row in <laughs> front of the podium, you know, just fresh fish. Wait till the question <laughs> session comes along, <laughs> you know, but well, uh, and it's funny. So, I mean, we, 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 we joke with you and we laugh with you all the time. Um, but, uh, what, one thing I like is that you, you know, you, 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 I I always say the big brain, but you just you 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 know your stuff. You know so much. You know you, the 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 old adage: you've forgotten more than I'll, I'll ever know. Um, but um, we'll be we'll be having a conversation with with someone in the industry um, on the podcast, and your name will come up. Just like in passing, we'll say, "Oh, well, we were having a conversation with Pat Heist," and he said, and like you'll see them be like. Do I agree? Does he agree with the thing that I say? Okay, good. He agrees with the thing. It's just so funny to see to see uh, that come through. So I mean, uh, it people know, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, in this when industry, you know. you know, when we talk about sire mash versus sweet mash, we're not trying to say that that we're do sweet mash because we think it's better. It's just a different way of doing things. And so, a lot of times when you have two differing pieces of information it's not because one's right and one's wrong mm. it's because you just do you, you can do things differently you know i cook my mash at 185 you cook yours at 210 now i would rather cook mine at 185 because i feel like i'm saving some energy but you're going to make good whiskey cooking it at 210 you're just going to spend more money on utilities mm. so a lot of times when we we're not necessarily disagreeing with somebody on something we're just saying this is how we do it I'm not saying the way they do it's wrong and they shouldn't feel like I'm trying to be right and they're wrong. It's just, that's just what we do. 
And, you know, there's a lot of ways of making whiskey, you know, and, and it's not really a right or a, there are wrong ways of doing it. <laughs> <laughs> they did it wrong. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways of doing it. And a lot of times we get into those little, little conflicts or whatever. It's not really a conflict at all. It's just, Hey man, different opinion, agree to disagree. Well, and I, 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 I think I, th- I know I've heard I've heard you you say this specifically um, because uh, one one of the first conversations we had had was about how just you know wilderness trails got the mash bill right on the side and 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 you know more people are picking picking up on that and you you guys are very open the consumer nowadays is very appreciative of that as well um, they want to know what's going into their whiskey a lot of them are you know more interested in the process and finding out more about it which is why you know, podcasts like ours have become successful. Um, but one, one thing you told us in one of our early conversations was you could, you could have somebody come in to your distillery. You could teach them like beginning to end exactly how your process works. They could use the same ingredients. They could use the same stills, the same guy to make the stills and everything, but their distillery is nine miles down the road and they're going to make a different product, you know? So like, I mean that, that's one of the amazing things to me about whiskey is just, there's so many things that affect your all, your eventual taste. You know what? Even just something as simple as, you know, this barrel versus that barrel. The small or, details. Yeah, little small yeah, details yeah. being a mile and a half down the road because the wind is a little different over here. And it's just like that's always been that, – that's something that you've said that's stuck with me is that like you um, – uh, it, it's it's so funny. One of our uh, – one of our – one of our friends who knows a lot about whiskey and knows a lot more about bourbon than I do. Um, we were having a, con- a bit of an argument, but, but a, co- a conversation back and forth. And he's like, um, and he's like, you, you need, you, okay, well, what if you did this and you reproduce this and you did everything exactly this way? And you literally just, and now what he said was, um, was like you know instead of in Kentucky you're doing it in New Hampshire or so, or something like that. He's like you're ta- he's like you think that'd be different. I was like hundred percent. And basically just because you had said that to me was really all I needed. And he was he was like Pat why do you say that? I was like Pat Heist. Uh, <laughs> but um, the, again that's something that's really stuck with me and something that's um, you know as um, myself Bobby Katie the rest of the people involved have continued in our whiskey journey had more experiences been able to be part of a blending pr- blending processes at uh, different distilleries you can have two barrels that are you know from uh, the the same you know whatever and yeah, the same distillate yeah, coming yeah, out distillate, same batch yep. but in 10 different barrels and it'll it can be there'll be a little exactly barrel yep yeah ba- barrels sitting right next to each other in in a rick house and it's like it's two it's two different the same liquids whiskey put the same exactly exactly it. Yeah. It, it it blows my mind it blows my mind um so yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but thank you for making my brain better. Well, and well, and- you were saying that it, like if two if another distillery set up and tried oh yeah to yeah exactly one, it would be different. Now, given the fact that I don't know of one distillery that's trying to be exactly just like another one, mm-hmm. that's really not been proven right or disproven. right. So exactly. it's kind of like just theoretically yeah there's right a lot right. of reasons why a whiskey would be different if it's made at two different distilleries, right, even yeah. if 
theoretically some right which not why would anybody do that but (laughs) but hypothetically speaking yeah exactly copycat distilling opening next month that's right (laughs) it's too bad that's such a catchy name but what a shit premise that would be (laughs) we're coming for your recipes i just appreciate the well i'll tell you something that that your the name of your podcast reminded me of i don't know if you ever heard me talking about this but you know, bourbon. One of the probably one of the best ideas I've ever came up with. I'm getting ready to lay it on you. But I'm ready. Uh, you know, bourbon by law must go into a new charred oak vessel. Doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a barrel, right? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, people oh. don't fill wooden boxes up because they don't roll very good. Um, but what I've been wanting to do is make those old style caskets. You know, like the in the yeah, old okay. that is bitching. <laughs> but like seasoned oak, charred on the inside, fill the casket with whiskey, let it age, and release it as a casket strain. Oh my god, that's do, metal. Do, <laughs> the definition. You could have so many freaking tours come through too, like make a whole ceremony around it. Like that is a thing to build a culture around you want to tour the aging mausoleum then i'll show you right here we'll get in the hearse and i'll take you out (laughs) the heist hearse yeah man i got Ah, the heist hearse (laughs) now i will say i've talked to the amish i've talked to (laughs) shipwrights i've talked to all these people who they're like okay the shipwrights are like wait a second the liquid that i'm dealing with it's always on the outside of my vessel right and then the amish they're like asking me what kind of liner do you want in this thing i'm like oh my god Whiskey in the damn thing. They You're don't like get not char. Lead. I want a char liner. Char not yeah. lead. But if you're going to make it into the full size, and, and then so I talked to Shane about it, and and he was, you know, he's an engineer. He's like my yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, right, sure. yeah. So he's like, he he kind of drew up, because one of our problems was full size, and then it weighs 1,100 pounds. Right, yeah. So that's that's a lot. And it would, the load bearing weight in there would might be destructive. Damn details. The, uh, so anyhow, he kind of sketched out this one, and I'm like, dude, that's a baby casket. You think I'm a, that's sick. My <laughs> daughter is in this room. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Can't, we can't we can't do little ones. It's got to be full size ones or nothing at all. Oh my God. Well, then we get people coming out of the woodwork like, well, when the whiskey gets dumped out of them, I want to be buried in that damn thing. Oh my so god! It's like shit. Literally, we've got lists of people that want to be buried. That are on a waiting list for a product that doesn't even exist yet, and it's just in your head. That's so funny. God damn it! That's cool. This. I was, now I was talking to a patent attorney a couple of weeks ago, and then he's like, "Now he just kept like repeating <laughs> what I was saying, and then and then I said, dude, do you do you?" understand what i'm telling you here i want to put whiskey in a casket he's like wait so you want to put whiskey in a casket yeah i was like dude there's nothing else to think about he's trying to tell me all these ways why it can't be patented and everything i was like shit man what how in the hell can that not be patented but can it be Uh, copyrighted I'm giving million dollar ideas here, but I'm looking forward to drinking it. Somebody, <laughs> you know what we need to do? We need to have an event with you where it's like you've seen all of those like Netflix creative competition shows where it's like nailed it, bake a cake like this, bake a cake that can sail, whatever. We need to have a competition. Make a casket that'll hold eleven hundred. Exactly. Pounds of there you go. And won't weigh a shit ton, That's a metric right. shit ton. Half a shit time. The funny, the, the funny thing, man, how I came up with that 
we were having lunch one day and this guy comes up to us who runs like a local funeral home. And he's like, Hey guys, uh, I'm going to run something by you. He said, I got this idea for this kind of two way PR thing we can do. He said, now, you know what my business is and you guys are all about responsibility because if you drink too much and you're irresponsible, then what happens? You come and see me. So we could do something together, right? Wow. I'm like, hell no. That's wow. the worst idea I ever heard of. That's right. So yeah. while he's walking away, I'm like, but caskets <laughs> whiskey. Now that, I like that idea. I can't and then even we process what's happening right now. Every time I bring it up to Shane, he's he's like, oh, what's that over there? You know, <laughs> I get my mind off of it. I'm also, fixated on it. The balls on that guy from the funeral home to be like, wait, 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 wait. Let me pitch you on something. That's brilliant. Yes. I give him some props. That's that's something. That's, that's the worst idea I ever heard of. But it but it <laughs> resulted in the best. Right. Idea. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you this much: you pitching that idea makes me feel a lot more comfortable than him pitching that idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Because like if your your thing that you know that's that that's. That, that's metal, you know. His yeah. thing is like that's sad. That's <laughs> <laughs> sad, creepy, mine's and cool awful. That's right. Yours, <laughs> mine's cool, Pretty creepy. Cool. <laughs> I just, I want to see this happen. I want to be part of this movement. I want to get a T-shirt well, and bumper sticker. Become the casket chasers. Hey man, if you if if you can if you can make it happen or find somebody to make it happen, absolutely. Aaron, you know what? It would be easier for me to say. It would. It'd be easier for everybody to say. That, that SK into a hard C, that's difficult yeah. stuff. Ca- yeah. Cask chasers. Yeah. Difficult. This is the casket chasers pod. It, yeah. Uh, it just rolls off the tongue it's more. The, it's the break that we needed. That's right. You know? <laughs> that's the, it's the semicolon in the cask chasers adventure. That's right. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Uh, uh. There are two whiskeys in the Impex portfolio I'm currently... Ex- excited about mainly because of how warm it's getting okay and that is oishi and fukano okay these are japanese whiskeys made from rice yeah so you get this sort of soft floral citrusy character coming through could be drunk just by itself but i make a highball out of that Mm. yeah right little whiskey little seltzer water some ice maybe maybe a little lemon in there okay that's your summer day right there. Okay. That's just boom. I think even you could do that. Mm, maybe. I may just sneak in a little highball without you being aware. You're slippery like that. Impex Beverages, by the way. Yeah. Proud sponsor of the Cast Chasers podcast. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to like go No, there, no. This this, this this good content. No. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm excited about Let's it. Let's pick it back up on December 19th. Um Are you um <laughs> what are you, um The bottle that you were showing us when we first were kind of just going back and forth. Did you say that's a new release that you guys just came out with? Four grain, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a four grain. And we did a, we did like a charity release to benefit like we have a fund that benefits like families that are victims of cancer mm-hmm. and so we um we we fund that and then just when we find a certain individual or somebody that really needs help we give them money out of that fund but this one the four grain this is interesting for several reasons first of all it's a four grain right second of all this is the only barrel of four grain we made um except until like, like this is a six-year-old 
And we made this. We were actually, if I'm not mistaken, we were making a weeded bourbon, which is our weeded bourbon is 64 corn, 24 wheat, 12% malted barley. Well, we got halfway into our our wheat edition and we ran out of wheat. So we're like, shit, man, what are we going to do? Let's put rye in there. So we finished it off with rye. Just like we planned the whole time. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's really how uh, mash bills are arranged. (laughs) Total accident. So, you know, just all cards on the table. We just ran out of wheat and put rye in there. So it ended up having half, about 12% wheat, 12% rye. But we never made any of this anymore up until we started making it a couple of years ago. So we don't we won't be having any more four grain probably for three or four years. So this is one barrel uh, and and we sold it just within hours, one hundred and seventy something bottles. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's really good. I'm really uh, I'm really digging it. Yeah, I only recently have I started getting into um some four grains and i mean you you you've got them you've, you've got distillers that are making them you've got uh some folks that are sourcing that are um pulling them from mgp or whatever and uh who who do we talk to last uh penelope bourbon out of um jersey they're they made a four grain by accident um, just guys who like bourbon that don't know a whole heck of a lot, like literally the opposite of you, um, don't, don't really know anything about it. And they were just blending they some stuff more together. Of a, one of a, like a connoisseur approach versus sure, a scientific approach. That's a word for it. I they're good you. guys. They're, they're great guys, but, um, like literally made a, made a four grain or blended a four grain by accident. They were like, Oh, I really like this. And then somebody who knew something about something was like, oh, it's a four grain. And they were like, what does that mean? So it was like literally it's I I, since that conversation, because it just tickled me that whole conversation. I was like, ah, let me try a handful more four grains. I've been liking most of what I've been coming across. It's hard to not make them funky, though. (laughs) So are you guys are you sold out on those or are they still available? It's just like you've been pumping through them. No, they're gone. We just sold. We just had the one release. It was one barrel, right? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it was just one barrel is all it was. Nice. So how long until you do it again? Are you going to do it on purpose Uh, sometime? (laughs) (laughs) Two or three more years for any four grain. All right. Okay. But, but, you know, we we got, uh, we just got into eight-year-old bourbon. So we've got barrels out in the warehouse now that are eight years old. That's exciting. So that's kind of, you know, everybody's always asking us, you know, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? It's like, well, first of all, we're making three different grain recipes. So two bourbons and a rye. Mm-hmm. And then you look at single barrel versus small batch, cask strength versus bottle in bond versus 90 proof. So there's a lot of ways, even with one mash recipe, yeah. you know, look at Maker's Mark, for example. Right. You know, how many different iterations they have. Or, you know, you look at Heaven Hill or some of these other distilleries. It's got all these different brands, but very few mash bills. So there's a lot of ways of spinning even just one mash recipe. We got three, and then every year we get into older stuff. So it's not like we're we're not doing anything different anymore. Every year that goes by, we're in older whiskey, so mm-hmm. that's something different. So uh, you know we're just kind of doing our thing, and then every now and then we'll spin off something like that. Now we make four grain, like we do hundreds of barrels a year sure. of it just to uh, just mix it up a little bit. But, you know, we don't do a lot of um, like wine cask, you Mm -hmm. know, secondary finishes and all that kind of stuff. We're just sort of trying to establish a really good baseline on what is our stuff like so that we can make really good educated choices 
about if we're going to finish it, then we just don't want to stick it into a barrel. Yeah. See what happens. We want to kind of make more educated. What's it going to do and how can we repeat that? So, Pat, I want I, I want to touch on this. You you just made me think of it. So that you know that that four grain that you just showed us is six years old. You've got a, you've got a couple that you know um, that I'll see come out that have an age statement on it, whether it's a barrel pick or whatever. Um, can you speak for just a moment, both as a producer, uh, if it's two different perspectives, let me know. As a producer and then also as a consumer, your thoughts on just age statement as a thing on, um, I mean, you can, you can do whiskeys at large, but specifically bourbon since, since that's what you're into as a consumer, what are your thoughts on age statement, having an age statement on it as a producer? Why would you, why would you not? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the dynamics have changed drastically in the last 10, 15 years. I mean, you could bought a bottle of ancient age off the shelf that had eight or 10 year old stuff in it. And it might not have had an age statement on it. Right. You know, uh, nowadays just again, you know, we're in the Kentucky distillers association. We get a lot of data about barrel inventories and different things. And, you know, who's got how much whiskey is any given distillery have and how much age stock do they have versus young stuff. And, you know, just seeing all those and, and knowing what's going on at those distilleries and what we do at ours, you know, if it, if you buy Kentucky straight bourbon and it doesn't have an age statement on it nowadays, that pretty much means that it is four years old. Sure. You know, or maybe five, you know, if it's six plus you, it, you would benefit by putting an age statement on there because you can get a premium out of it. And again, if somebody sees just Kentucky straight bourbon on there or bottling bond nowadays with the scarcity of anything with any age, it you're going to, it's going to be assumed that that's four years. Right. So the age statement is important. And for, so for just the, you know, what is my perception of this bottle? But then as a consumer, you know, it's like, why did we bottle a six year, you know, age stated? So, you know, that, that four grain that I showed you, we also have an age stated. Uh, this is this yeah, would yeah. be the six year version of that black label that you have there. Um, you know, why did we bottle it at six years? Because it really turned the corner. Like it tastes different, significantly different than our normal bottle in bond. That's four to five and a half years. You know, when it's six plus, it turned the corner. Like we didn't know we were going to bottle it at six years. We just knew we were going to do an age stated bottle once it turned the corner to justify, you know, otherwise we'd let it go to eight year if it didn't, if there wasn't a difference, you know? So that's kind of oh, some thoughts on age statement. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's, that's, that's good to hear too, that, um, I feel you know, like it's you, you 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 and really I mean you 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 put the you're you're not slapping an age statement on it for the sake of slapping an age statement on it and making a buck or two although that's obviously a part of it is that you can charge a premium mm. but it's this is when something important happened you know th- this is when something important happened this is when it turned a corner it tastes different now um you know the 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 this the 6 tastes different then the seven tastes different than the five tastes different than the eight. Maybe we're not going to release a seven. Maybe the nine is really good. You know, so I, I do like to hear that because from, 
I mean, me from a consumer perspective, and I mean, at this point, you know, we've tried zillions of different whiskeys. Billions. I've had, I've had, um, I've had a, a two-year-old American single malt that blew my mind just pulling it out of a barrel. I was like, what the hell is this? You know? Um, and there, honestly, there are a, a couple of um, Scottish distilleries that some of their younger stuff I am kind of getting into if I can get my hands on like something like new new but I, I, I do like to hear that that like there was something important that happened at for this six year that it was something different and I had I have had the the six year you just held up for us and it it it's a different whiskey, you know, than your, than your regular bottled and bond and all that. So I, I, I do like for people to hear, you know, cause I mean, well, we ran and rave all day about how much we love just it's, your standard, you know, your bottled and bond that, that you have and that there is, there is a reason for that age statement. And I, it so far, I, I was listening to one of our older episodes with you and um, you were the one first that actually exists. Yeah, one that exists that people can listen to. Not in the coffers and um, or the caskets, um, but one one that uh, and you were the first distiller we had on that said, "Man, I just want to make some money," you know. And like that, that's one one thing I, I like about you. And I've there was more context there, but that's one thing I like about you is you're just open, you're honest, you're 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 real, and you're making fantastic stuff. So I mean, I. <laughs> It's all good all around. Well, you know, back to the age statement, another kind of a thing, you know, we're, we're kind of beyond what is considered a craft distillery in mm-hmm. terms of like our size. But, you know, where we work with hundreds of other distilleries, you know, there's some places that we work with that have been distilling for 10 or 12 years, but have never had anything older than two years old, you mm-hmm. know, because their, their business re- depends on them turning that volume. Yeah. I mean, we'd love to just sell, we could sell every bit of whiskey that we've got that's over four years old. And if we were sitting in suits in a boardroom and we're looking at what's the most profitable thing for this company, we might make that decision of, hell, let's get rid of it. You know, we get the money today instead of let it sit there and evaporate sure. uh, over however many years and get the money now. But uh, but that's detrimental when you're, you're trying to establish. I mean, we're kind of new. So a lot of people who are buying our stuff now, it's the first bottle they ever had. So we when we started Wilderness Trail, and again, a lot of this is because we we're very fortunate to have firm solutions spending off cash. You know, when we spent that money, um, it, it wasn't like, we're, oh, my God, I got to go increase our, our debt again. Or I yeah. got to give away equity to take on this. So we were very fortunate in, and again, we're mowing the grass. And <laughs> I still clean toilets at the theater. It's fine. Yeah, I clean toilets all the time. Uh, used to. I still do. But uh, just to kind of make me feel real again, you know? Right, right. What are the but, people? But anyway, uh, you know, that is very important to us is back to age statements is, is having somebody who's kind of considered new or craft distillery putting age statements on it. And you'll see, again, we're into eight year now. I don't know that we'll, we'll likely release a few barrels of eight year because it's pretty damn good, but we've definitely got a plan to release a 10 year and 12 years. So four years from now, we'll have 12 year old bourbon. Mm-hmm. You know, three years after that, we'll have 15-year-old bourbon. The so thing, we've got plan to uh, yeah. to have old stuff. The thing that I love about that is that because of how you just said you guys are set up with Firm Solutions and Wilderness Trail, it's, um, I don't want to say you have the luxury, but you have the, the loyalty to the craft 
at your disposal to kind of what we were just talking about. I mean, see what those turning points are to really kind of take each bourbon at its own and make a decision of like, is this the right age worth celebrating, worth pointing out? I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of how we talk about it on the show in, in one of the previous episodes we have all about age statements because we kind of started off with like, is this a hot take topic? Is this something where we're going to debunk the myth of age statements? And where we really arrived at was to say, you know, it's one aspect of how you make a good whiskey, but it's not the end all be all. And if you are only hanging your hat on the age statement and ignoring everything else that goes into it, you're doing yourself a detriment against the whiskey itself. You know, so it's it's really cool to hear you, given your background, talk about this in the same way, like we're just taking each one at its worth. Well, and at 12 or 15 years, we might discover that it's not a good idea to keep our whiskey in the barrel longer than eight years. Right. So we might backtrack and say, okay, we got enough data here to say that you know, it's risky letting it go beyond eight years. It starts getting more up too much oak or mm-hmm. whatever, but we don't know that yet. So we'll, we'll just figure it out little by little as we go, but we're going to have 20, 23 year old shit here. And, <laughs> you know, however many years, yeah. uh, it might not taste good or it might be delicious, but we'll, we'll know when, when we get there. So do you typically have like a smaller selection that's just aging? So that way it's not like you wind up, you know, at the 12 year mark saying, shit, we've got a hundred thousand barrels that we got to get rid of that we don't like and you know i mean just by design where you know the first year we were running you know we built a 2200 barrel rick house is the first warehouse we ever built and we were kind of thinking doing the math of okay we make 250 barrels a year that is about seven or eight years of storage for us but then we went from 200 to 50 to a thousand to seven thousand we lay back I think 35,000 barrels for Wilderness Trail now per year. And then we make another 30, 35,000 for contract uh, production. So, um, you know, as we it just sort of organically, so the first barrels like that are eight years old now, it's like three barrels, you know, but little by little, we, okay, now another one just turned eight and another one. And then every year we mm-hmm. go, oh, now we're into 10,000 barrels or 30,000. There'll be maybe a thousand barrels at some point that are eight plus years old. So we're growing into that. So we're not going to have a situation where we taste it and it tastes like crap. And then we realize, oh God, we got 10,000 barrels of that. Cause we're just going to be rolling into it very mm-hmm. slowly. Real quick. And we're, we're probably going to start wrapping up here in a couple mm-hmm. minutes just because I mean, we, we could talk to you for days and we, we will talk to you more. Um, but you brought up something that I, I think, I think people know is a thing, but I, I don't know that they really understand how it works. And to be frank, I, I like, I understand on its face how it works, but I, you know, minutia, I, I don't really get contract production. What, what, what's the deal with contract production? <laughs> um, what just, just for our listeners, what what do you mean when you say contract production? How is that different than what you're just putting out and putting in a wilderness trail bottle? And what what what's the function of it? And what, why why is that needed? Yeah. So um, you know, contract production very simply implies that we're making whiskey for somebody else. Okay, that's just at the very basic of it. Now, who is that someone else? Is that somebody that has a brand? that they're going to take it to. In that case, we're going to be making very specific mash recipes. Most of the uh, whiskey we make for our contract customers 
uh, I would guess is um, is for investment groups. So there's a group out of California that has a cryptocurrency that they fund through investors and then they take the money and they buy barrels and the value of those barrels at what is what backs the value of that currency. And as those barrels get older, that currency becomes worth more. And that's where the, the investors get their return. So that's one example. And that's, that's public information. Um, but bottom line is most of our contract customers are simply investors. Hey, I want, I've got family and friends that's got a hundred or 200 barrels, you know, and their hopes are, Hey, I can buy in at 11 or 1200 a barrel. And at two years, we'll sell it for them on the wholesale market for it's going, you know, Kentucky bourbon right now, two year old, if you can even find it is selling for two twenty two thousand to 2200 a barrel. And that's just, so you, pay us to make your barrels. And then after two years, when we start seeing interest for it, we get phone calls. Hey, you know, anybody's got 200 barrels a two year. Hey, let me get a hold of you. Do you want to sell your two year old for 2,200? And then you say yes. And then all you ever did was send us a check. And then we send you a check that's got profitability added. And then you just uh, write that off as a capital gain. And, um, you know, you've had the investment for over a year, so it's short term, long term capital gains. So that's essentially how it works. Now, we've only been doing that for three or four years now. So we're just now getting to where some of that whiskey is going into bottles for different brands. And, you know, uh, or it, or those barrels are being transacted on the wholesale market. And again, we're very active in the wholesale market. And there's hardly nothing available right now. So it's the who knows how long this whole thing's going to last. But the benefit for us of doing contract production is we get paid today to make it next week. Sure. So, you know, that, that's really the advantage for us. And we fund a lot of our growth and our construction around here with the profits we make from our contract barrels. And if it's an investor and all they want to do is make money on their money, we might have the option of buying that back from them at the, you know, whenever it's two, three, four years old, and it could go in a wilderness bottle if it's our mash recipe. So there's also that kind of advantage for us as we got access to all this additional production if we need it. Do you and guys, we didn't carry that debt. Do you get first rights to that, or is that more of like a relationship discussion? Well, it's kind of a case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're getting into age stuff, we kind of looking back and like, oh, we should have done this. We should have. We should have said, hey, we got to have 5% equity in your company before we can make it yeah. for you. Yeah. There's all kinds of strategic and crafty ways of doing it. But I don't know. We're trying to be nice. but And we're making good money at it anyhow. So, you know, we're just trying to uh, just do what we do and, hey, and make everybody else happy. If you can be good people, make great whiskey, and, you know, occasionally make some good decisions, which I think you guys are doing. That's a pretty... Promote prosperity. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Man... Do we have to end this episode? I, I mean, ultimately, yeah, because we've got another we've got another recording to do in a, in a couple minutes. But Pat, thank you so much. Um, but real quick before we go, um, keeping in mind this this episode will probably release uh, sometime. Uh, let, let's call it a month to a month and a half from mm-hmm. now. Anything providing it recorded? Yeah, right. <laughs> three I've times got, over. We I've, got it. I've got it on at least three things right now. Um, anything? Anything you want to talk about? Anything you want to um, plug? Uh, plug? Wh- what? Whatever. Um, the The floor is yours. Where can people follow you? Where can they find Wilderness Trail? Yeah, everywhere. But um, yeah, 
floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just want to tell you all, I appreciate you inviting me on the show, and it's always a pleasure. We always have fun. Um, as far as upcoming, uh, you know, I would encourage anyone to get on Wilderness Trail website and sign up for our family tree program. We've got a really interesting monthly newsletter that comes out that keeps you updated on everything that we're doing, events, new releases, those types of things. Um, so that kind of in a nutshell will tell you about anything you need to know, but we're active on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and um also don't forget to check out Zella May when it's right. a chance. Absolutely. That there that's what go. I was waiting for. Just tell me more about Zella May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might have a booking opportunity for you in Maryland. Hey, yeah, I always <laughs> wanted to play at your all's theater there. Yes. You just made me so you, happy. You, you don't heard even it here. understand. <laughs> <laughs> Making we this shit happen. Awesome, awesome. Cool. Well, Pat, thank you so much. Um it's always a great conversation with you. All right, Cast Chasers, that's it for this episode, but we'll be back again next week. And if this is your first time listening, we want to personally thank you from the whole Cast Chasers team. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And in the meantime, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cask Chasers. You can also join our Facebook group. Don't forget to check out our website, caskchasers.org, for show notes, Cask Chasers swag, and more. That's it for now. And until next time, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase.